This is Peter Fabricant, social media editor for the journal Visicos, here to introduce the March issue of the journal. In addition to an introductory editorial by our editor-in-chief, Professor Nick Van Dyke, this issue contains a series of systematic reviews, as well as two state-of-the-art articles and a review of a classic orthopedic article. All of the articles in this summary may be found in the March issue of the Journal of Isikos, as well as online at jsikos.bmj.com. While the journal is officially published every other month, the website is updated in real time as manuscripts are finalized. This issue's editorial by Professor Van Dyke discusses the concept of collaboration and intellectual exchange. He notes that through intellectual collaboration and cross-pollination, investigators from across the world can find common ground and expand their collective knowledge. He delves into the history of the AOSSM and ESCA traveling fellowships and how this was born out of Dr. John Fagan's travels to Europe to learn alternative techniques for ACL repair. While the two-year results of that study showed good outcomes, the five-year results deteriorated, which is the topic of this issue's classic article. In their review of this issue's classic article, Matt Salzler and Chris Harner review the five-year outcomes after ACL repair that were reported by Fagan and Curl, which were universally poor after five years, with 94% of patients reporting recurrent instability, despite greater than 80% of the same cohort showing good outcomes at the two-year follow-up time point. One-third reported recurrent knee injury, with the large majority being medial meniscus tears, and 75% reported significant athletic impairment five years postoperatively. This classic article is accompanied by personal communication with Dr. Fagan, who recalls the sense of urgency in developing a treatment for the 50 to 100 West Point cadets with ACL injuries each year. In their experience, the standard treatment of benign neglect was resulting in severe knee degeneration, pain, lack of terminal extension, and meniscal tears seven to nine years after military school graduation. With little evidence to guide treatment, cadets diagnosed with an ACL injury were taken to the operating room the day after injury for exploration and ACL repair. After this classic article reported on the near-universal failures of ACL repair, ACL reconstructions became the standard of care for surgical treatment of ACL tears. More recently, however, Dr. Martha Murray has had success with a bridge-enhanced ACL repair technique in a porcine model and is now conducting an FDA-monitored trial of this procedure in humans. In the future, perhaps ACL repair using this or similar new technology that creates a healing environment within the typically hostile intraarticular space will be a possibility for selected patients. This article excellently describes how the pendulum has swung between ACL repair and reconstruction with great insight from those who have previously and are currently studying this phenomenon. In this month's issue, Dr. Andrade and colleagues performed an excellent systematic review entitled Notch Morphology is a Risk Factor for ACL Injury, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. 23 studies were included for analysis, comprising a total of almost 3,500 participants. The ACL-injured individuals had narrower intercondylar notch widths, smaller notch width indices, and steeper tibial slope values. This study did an excellent job of summarizing existing knowledge of increased ACL injury risk for those patients with narrow intercondylar notch and increased posterior tibial slope metrics through a a thorough systematic review and meta-analysis. While these morphological characteristics may clearly predispose patients to ACL injury, how to act upon them clinically still remains unknown. 
Do these anatomical variants just pertain to the initial injury, or do they also place patients at risk for repeat ACL tear after an index reconstruction? While notchplasty is an easy adjunctive step during ACL reconstruction, which may prevent graft impingement and possible retear, future research investigating the role of proximal tibial osteotomy to alter tibial slope, for instance, in the setting of revision ACL reconstruction, is warranted before recommendations for or against such interventions may be made. Starting this month, one systematic review will be designated as the editor's choice and will be made freely available online. This month's Editor's Choice Systematic Review is called ACL Reconstruction in Youth Athletes Results in an Improved Rate of Return to Athletic Activity When Compared to Non-Operative Treatment. In this paper, the authors note that ACL tears are being seen and treated with increasing frequency in youth athletes, with one of the main goals being returning patients to sports activity. This is particularly important for youth athletes for whom sports provide physical, social, and psychological development. The authors noted that rates of return to play ranged from 78 to 100% after acute ACL reconstruction, 84 to 100% after delayed ACL reconstruction, 41 to 100% after ACL reconstruction with an indeterminate injury to surgery time interval, and only 6 to 52% after non-operative treatment of ACL tear. Based on this available literature, there appears to be an improved rate of return to athletic activity after ACL reconstruction when compared with non-operative treatment. Future research should directly focus on time to return to sports activity while taking into account the unique aspects of ACL reconstruction and non-operative management in youth athletes. This issue contains two state-of-the-art reviews. The first, on anterior ankle arthroscopy, which is especially timely given that recent advances in arthroscopic instruments have allowed foot and ankle surgeons to utilize arthroscopy for the treatment of ankle injuries with the benefits of shorter immobilization and recovery and faster return to activities. This state-of-the-art article by Professor Nick Van Dyke and his colleagues meticulously reviews the history of ankle arthroscopy as well as pertinent anatomy, diagnostics, ankle pathology, and surgical techniques for anterior ankle arthroscopy. Further, various techniques are reviewed, including both dorsiflexion and non-invasive distraction. Application of arthroscopic techniques to anterior impingement, OCD, chronic ankle instability, syndesmotic injury, and sinus tarsi syndrome are outlined, as well as tips for successful ankle arthroscopy and future directions for research. The second state-of-the-art review by Aaron Kreitsch and colleagues is titled, Articular Cartilage Solutions for the Knee, Present Challenges and Future Direction. In this article, an international group of authors summarize the four major types of cartilage restoration, marrow stimulation, osteochondral tissue transfer or transplantation, cell-free synthetic scaffolds, and cell-based repair strategies. The authors outline differences in underlying pathology leading to cartilage injury in the knee and highlight the concept that successful cartilage restoration requires concomitant correction of underlying pathology, including osseous alignment and ligamentous stability. They go on to report the advantages and disadvantages of each method of cartilage restoration, indications and surgical techniques, and reported outcomes. The authors point out that the current literature supporting these techniques is limited by heterogeneity in surgical procedures, lesion, and patient characteristics, and reporting of a myriad of different outcome measures. Therefore, often an individualized approach based on lesion characteristics, the patient's goals, and surgeon preferences is necessary. This article provides an excellent overview of cartilage restoration and is a must-read for knee surgeons who treat cartilage injuries. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast review of the second issue of the Journal of Issacos. These articles, as well as the full issue, can be found online at bmj.jisakos.com. Mm-hmm.